Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 281 of Potato Thumbs Podcast. This week is sponsored by Internal Organs. That is right, your internal organs, they're sponsoring the show. And they want you to know that some of them want to get out. Our friend Admiral Nips, he's not here today. He's potentially getting his appendix out. Well, I guess we'll find out, though, later this week when he comes back for the next episode. But uh, Godspeed, buddy, and uh, thanks for putting in a good word. We couldn't have done it without their support. Potato! Potato! Thumbs Podcast! Potato! Potato! Thumbs Podcast! Well, it's Fluffy and the Admiral. Okay, guys, so I have someone who is new to the show joining us today, um, and I think you're really in for a treat. Um, we're, we're talking with someone who is not only a talented musician, uh, a gamer, but also has some really interesting stories in the history of Destiny and Destiny music, and just, I, I mean, I don't want to give all of it away, but I think we're in for a treat. So uh, joining us today is PK or Elsie, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. So um, I guess like a little history on, on how this all came to be. I was, uh, I was doing my thing. I was scrolling Reddit, uh, you know, as you do when you're killing time. And <laughs> I, I stumbled across this post, and it was, um, I forget the title. It was like your your lo-fi remix album of Destiny music. The Destiny that- Lo-Fi Collection Volume 1, yes. Yeah. And and as our listeners know, um, you know, lo-fi is is often a uh, top choice of mine if I'm going to play like PvP or something or I, you know, I want to play some Destiny where the actual game music is turned off for that period. You know, it's not like a raid, but like maybe I'm going to the crucible and I've, I've heard uh, the songs too many times. And, you know, so I throw on some lo-fi, it, it, you know, relaxes me. It keeps me calm, keeps, you know, keeps just the vibe relaxed. And so I saw this post and I'm like, all right, destiny lo-fi. Like, I'd like to check this out. This could be great. And the very first song is the song (laughs) from, the jumping puzzle yeah uh, in deep stone and i was like okay okay i'm sold like very specific reason (laughs) i knew for a fact if people are going to click on that video and the first remix they hear is deep stone lullaby they're going to stick around because it's such an iconic track and it's like back when it came out and that raid launched um everyone was just saying if you're doing this raid and you're getting in the jumping puzzle shut up we want to hear yeah. the music. It, it was yeah. community consensus that it was fantastic. Uh, so I, I knew to, to open the album with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was a great choice because like instantly I was hooked. I was like, OK, this album's <laughs> going to be great because not only is it taking a great song, but it's taking a great song and like making it better. You know, it's it's like. Or, or I, I guess I like that that is an honor yeah. <laughs> I, I mean you know it's like it's like they're both great songs right but like mm-hmm. having this this like lo-fi hip-hoppy like just just a little bit more spice to this song Absolutely. that i already loved so much yeah it was, it was great so um 
And, you know, to your point, um, one of our community members, Nessie, he, uh, he and I were on, on a pretty active raid team for a long time. And, uh, you know, it was always our, our thing. One of us would say, right before we got to that jumping puzzle, when you're standing in that room waiting for the door to open, mm-hmm. we're like, we tell everyone, okay, turn on your music. Make sure your music is Good. on. Especially Good. if it's someone going through the first time. It's like, your music needs to be on for this part before you step through these doors. <laughs> yeah, I, I still very much remember day one Deepstone Crypt. Uh, we were stuck on A-Tracks for six hours. Uh, finally got that kill. Uh, and then just getting into that section with you know, a really good group of friends. Uh, we've just spent eight hours together getting to that point, and then just getting into that jumping puzzle. All the sounds drown out, and the music is just full focus. It was such... I, I still... It's probably one of my favorite memories in Destiny history still. And it's so nice, like, having that chill of a beat uh, as you're jumping, right? There's something about having that beat with that environment as you're jumping through space. You know, it just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just works so well. Um, Michael Seacrest, the lead composer of uh, Deep Stone Lullaby, uh, actually, like, wrote Deep Stone Lullaby as an actual lullaby. Like, what is something that I could play to to kids or like to 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 his kids like what is something that i could put on as a lullaby that's how he composed it wow uh so it and it and using the instruments that he did uh it was supposed to be i i'm pretty sure it was supposed to just be an orbit track initially um which it still is uh i don't think it plays in orbit anymore but it used to back in the days of beyond light uh and like those like bubbly synths, they sound very spacey, and it's mm-hmm. just there was no better place to put it than right there in that jumping puzzle. And it's also like one of the first times that a jumping puzzle in a raid has had like a unique track. Sometimes they have some unique like ambient music, but never like full like orchestrated everything. So it was really cool to have that moment it's still one of the most cinematic raids in destiny history and i i just think it's fantastic how they executed it oh i totally agree it's it's absolutely fantastic so okay so you you released this uh this lo-fi remix um album is this Mm -hmm. your first lo-fi album that you've done first full-length album yes first release no uh, okay. I have been making lo-fi remixes since, uh, God, it's got to be like October 2020, because okay. um, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Henry, he approached me, um, he was working on a Blender animation, he was learning Blender, and he found out that uh, a lot of the character models from Destiny were like, have had been ripped from the game, and you could use them in Blender, so he was messing around with that a little bit. And he thought it'd be funny if he would make a video of, like, Drifter sitting in his ship in the classic lo-fi girl pose, listening to lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax study to. Uh, And I was like, you know what? I've never tried making lo-fi before, but I'm going to try to just whip up some quick Destiny lo-fi remixes. They were not high effort. They, uh, I'd argue they weren't very good. But uh, we, we just decided, you know what, this is just a... It, it wasn't supposed to be serious. It was supposed to be funny. Um, so I made, uh, like, five lo-fi remixes. We put out that video. Bam. Movie of the week. Uh, so we were like, oh. Oh, okay. And then a lot of people started asking for more. Um, 
so that's kind of when I was like, huh, maybe I should take these a bit more seriously and then, you know, figure out uh, how to do these more properly. Uh, and then when Beyond Light launched, what I did, and I've been doing this with every expansion since, uh, they always release the soundtrack 24 hours before the expansion goes live, right? Okay. So what I did is I listened to the entire Beyond Light soundtrack, and then I picked one track. I was like, that track, I want to have a remix of that finished and uploaded before the expansion goes live. And oh, I chose wow. Deep Stone Lullaby back then. Uh, that was the first remix of Deep Stone Lullaby that I did. It's not the one that you hear on the album. Uh, what I ended up doing for the full album is I went back to some of my older remixes that uh, I liked, but just they were just missing something. They just weren't good enough for me. So I completely redid them from scratch and put those on the album. Uh, and Deep Stone Lullaby was, up till the launch of the Lo-Fi Collection, the most viewed video on my channel. So that's when things really started like taking off, I guess. And that's I continued making Lo-Fi remixes since then. That's and fantastic. The last half a year or so, I was finishing up uh, a full-length album, because I a lot of people had always been asking me, like, hey, can you, like, uh, release this on platforms, like, make this available for download, anything like that, right? They wanted to have more places to be able to listen to it. Um, so I thought, instead of going back and doing that for all of my tracks, I'm just gonna compile everything that I've made, uh, do some more work on it, remaster everything, make sure it's all up to the same level of quality, and then release that as a full-length album. And yeah, that released about two and a half weeks ago now. That is that's super cool. So uh, I'm guessing that you didn't just uh, grab these this musical talent out of nowhere. Uh, what were you? <laughs> what was your What was your skill set then prior to jumping into doing lo-fi remixes? Like, how did that transcend into lo-fi? Right. Um, I have been playing piano longer in my life than I haven't been playing piano. Fantastic. Uh, I have been playing for, I think it's it's coming up on 13 years now. Okay. Um, and it, it started basically when I got a, I, I got one of those toy pianos gifted by my parents on, on Christmas when I was quite young still. And, sure. you know, they didn't expect me to play anything coherent on it. Uh, I just liked music a lot, but I started like actually learning things. And then they asked me, hey, do you want to take lessons? And so I did. Um... And then a few years later, like, a, I think, like, six, seven years later, um, my teacher was like, hey, do you want to, like, try making some stuff? Because, uh, you know, you're learning how to play music, but have you ever tried, like, making things and, like, uploading them somewhere? Um, so what we worked on back then, uh, I created a Destiny piano mashup. Uh, back then it was called Never Fading Light. Um, and it was like a 16-minute long piano piece that mashed together a bunch of tracks from Destiny into one piece that I could play. Wow. And um, I uploaded that with, with his help. Um, and that was like the first Destiny music project I ever did, and my first like uh, attempt at, at uploading my own music at all. Uh, and then later, uh, a little over a year later, I kind of realized, you know what, I can do this way better. Uh, so I redid the entire mashup, added a bunch of tracks from Beyond Light. Uh, it ended up becoming 25 minutes long. It's still proudest video of, of me to date. 
uh, covering over 40 tracks from the Destiny soundtrack, uh, all played in one take, um, and uh, shot like 200 gigabytes of background footage for the, for the video itself, had help from players all around the community to make that video happen. Uh, and yeah, that also ended up winning Movie of the Week when it came out, and that's still probably the proudest video I've ever done. I don't know if I can beat it. That's that's wow. that's all I'll say. I spent a year on that video, like getting the arrangement together, recording it, editing it, shooting the video footage, editing the video footage. Uh, that, and it was so kind cool. of just a thing that happened in between. It was just a friend of mine approached me with that idea, and I was like, you know what? I'll just go look up some videos on how like people make those general lo-fi sounds, and I'll just learn from there. Uh, I I was never really like taught. I never really had less like that wasn't never covered in my lessons like how to do anything like that. Uh, I'm self-taught in most of those things, but yeah, it was just like a pure interest in Destiny's music and uh wanting to make something with it that that got me here. I'm really sad that I'm I'm just learning about this this album or this track right now like mm -hmm. i definitely want you to post um post a link to it in the discord after we're done recording because i i think that's something that i definitely that i for sure want to listen to and jam out to but yeah I, I think a lot of people would really appreciate that that sounds that sounds mm -hmm. amazing that's super it, cool it took me a long time to get that finish because like the way that i went about it uh is i used something that i like to call musical adhd uh where i'm playing a song on piano and then suddenly my brain jumps to a different song that sounds kind of like the one i was playing and then i start playing that song instead and i just use that to try and figure out like in what way can i order all of these tracks from seven years of destiny into something that feels and sounds coherent, right? Uh, yeah. So that you can listen to it start to finish, and at, at the end of it, you can say, or at least at the time of release, you can say, "Wow, so that's what Destiny's music is." Um, you're like, uh, uh, you're like, you're like playing a DJ on your piano, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. I love it. It's a, uh, you know, I, I've always been a strong believer in piano. I think. As someone who is not as skilled as you, um, piano just transcends, like, it just it just transfers to everything. Like, if you have a mm -hmm. good understanding of piano, like, it just translates to so many other instruments, or at least the theory that you can take with to the instrument. Like, it's, it's such a powerful tool in the music industry. Um, that's yeah. really cool. And also... So, it it helps me a lot because I can just hook up my uh, my piano to my uh, to my PC and use it to like record directly in uh, in the digital audio workstation that I use. So it, it's it's really helpful if you do know a tiny bit of piano. You can just record things so quickly instead of having to like manually draw in all of your notes or do anything like that. So it's it's a, been a really helpful instrument to know how to play. Absolutely. I, um, I was always that, that actually piano was the very last elective course I took in college. Um, and it was because I was making beats at the time, but I was a hundred percent self-taught and a lot of like, a lot of my drum 
drum machine tracks and stuff were drawn in drum machine tracks and then like bounced to pro tools and then messing with wavelengths, you know, like whether I'm like reversing something to add like a different effect to it or just sampling what I had drawn to add variety to it. Mm -hmm. And the difference between like my previous stuff versus even just taking one semester of piano to like what that led to and the difference in bass lines and melodies and, and just a better understanding of how it all fits together. It's just, it's such an, an important tool to have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Wow. That's really cool. So, okay. So we have some piano tracks that, that we definitely need to listen to, um, you know, post show. Uh, I'm loving the lo-fi stuff. Do you, do you find that you've since you've done these lo-fi remixes like was lo-fi something that you had like in your your playlist you know is this something that you had been listening to or is it is it something that's been growing on you since releasing your albums definitely your album? the second okay. lo-fi wasn't something that i like i i never hated lo-fi absolutely not i right. liked it right. but Lo-fi is the kind of music that you normally put on either while playing a game or while working or doing something like that. And I'm the kind of person, when I'm playing a game, no matter what game it is, I play with the game's music on. I have such an appreciation for game soundtracks and game audio that, to me, if I play a game without hearing the music from that game at the same time, I feel naked, right? <laughs> and I, I have total respect to the people that uh, put their own music on. Because, like, you know, if you're playing Crucible, it, it, I understand just wanting to jam out to your own stuff. I fully get it. I can't do that. Um, so when I'm gaming, I have the game's music turned on. And when I'm working, I am usually listening to soundtracks from games uh, that I've played. Um, so Lo-Fi wasn't never really something that I, like, listened to or that was in my playlist at all. Um... And working on the lo-fi collection and working on all the remixes that I've done, I've started listening to more of it to have a better understanding of it. Sure. Uh, and it actually gave me like a pretty big revelation, which was reflected fully in the full lo-fi collection. Uh, a lot of lo-fi that I listen to, it has like these really bassy kicks or like these really uh, like distorted percussion sometimes. Sure. And it just and it throws me off because lo-fi is supposed to be this calm music that almost fades into the background that you don't really have to pay attention to it to get the full picture, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I was like, wow, I'm going to try my best to work around that and make my stuff sound a lot less bassy and a lot less like distorted and sometimes in your face so that people can listen to it and relax. And I've got a lot of comments about that that... Uh, of people saying, yeah, you did a really good job like changing that thing up about lo-fi to make it more listenable, which is, uh, that's kind of why I've been listening to a lot of it lately, just to kind of like see, huh, what can I, what can I add to this, right? What can I do with this uh, to yeah, make it like yeah. more my own? Uh, and also to make it more Destiny sounding, because... You know, Destiny's music is very orchestral most of the time. Sure, there's some metal tracks in there, some synth bops, but a lot of it is very orchestral. So I've incorporated like a lot of uh, string instruments like violins and cellos and all that in my lo-fi remixes to make it sound more like a Destiny track. 
Um, I, I'm always a sucker for strings. Like I, mm-hmm. I very much, I, I'm very, as people on the show know, I'm very much um, all in the bag for hip hop. Um, and I think that's why I love lo-fi like I do. You know, it, it's that uh, one of my friends put it really appropriately one time. It's like mushroom jazz and and hip hop had a baby right you have these this like kind of jazzy element to it this 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 melodic spacey feel and then you know you're adding in you're adding in that that hip hop rhythm you know that the drums the bass the drops the just the feel and the change of it and um the vibe yeah the <laughs> vibe yeah yeah and i i it's just i don't know it's just i i definitely think that that's that's what draws me to that type of music is I can just listen to that drum, that drum line, you know, I can listen to that, that melody and just kind of drift off into space. Um, that's great. Do you feel, um, do you ever feel like listening to the music that you're creating influences you too much? Or are you pretty good at keeping that separate? Like, you know, from, from what you're creating? Um, I mean, it, I, I feel like every musician gets influenced by what they're listening to, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Right. Uh, I don't think that in today's day and age, there is something that you like. There is something that you can truly call original. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> with the amount of yeah. time that's passed, <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. I'm with you 100. Yeah, um, every single thing that you listen to gets put in your brain somewhere, yeah, and. I, I catch myself doing this a lot. I haven't really made uh, that many, like, original compositions. And especially, none of the original things that I've made are out there. They're all on my own PC. I've not been confident enough to post anything like that. Um, but I can very much tell that when I'm trying to come up with new things... Yep, I'm playing a Destiny motif again, all of a sudden. Because it's just so ingrained in my in my memory that i'm i'm trying to come up with these new melodies and then i play like two or three notes and then my brain instantly jumps to one of that one of the melodies from destiny and i just can't get <laughs> I, I just can't get out of it <laughs> that's so great so yeah no it the the music that i listen to definitely influences the things that i make and it's obviously not just destiny like i um i'm an enjoyer of of game soundtracks in general um, and you know, obviously, some of my favorite people in the industry, Toby Fox, did all the stuff for Undertale, Deltarune, some stuff for the new Pokemon game recently as well. Um, he's probably like one of the people I look up to the most. Then you have Lena Rain did the music for Celeste is now working on music for Minecraft. Um, I'm very much an enjoyer of anything game soundtrack related. Like if there's a game with a good soundtrack. I'll play it even if I have no idea what the game is about. Celeste uh, because, is. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'll play it no matter what the game is about because the music for me is like 50% of the experience. Right? It's yeah. such an integral part for me. Um, Celeste is one of those games that I have been playing for quite some time. 
I haven't mm-hmm. finished it yet, but you know, it's one of those games that I kind of sit down and and I'll play for a little bit and then I'll set it down again. Some time will pass, pick it up again because I'm I'm very very much like Destiny Two whenever I can. Um, yeah, but it's funny that you bring that up because um, I did I was on vacation with my family this past week, and so you know we spent we spent you know a half day in the airport um, and on planes and stuff traveling to and from home and. I actually got uh, like a chapter and a half of Celeste done on the plane on the way to nice. vacation. And it felt so good because like, it, you know, I just I got to the higher part of the mountain, you know, and some of those those screens, those levels, whatever you want to call them can be you could die a lot. <laughs> it's a very, very much it's a challenging real I, game. <laughs> it is. And I'm not a very good platformer. So I have two things going against me. Uh and so it's funny that you bring that up because I, I, man, I really enjoyed that game. I had so much fun burning through what I was able to get done in a few hours. Um, yeah. But now I'm sad because like it was on a plane. So like I didn't get the full enjoyment of, of the music. So I'm probably going to have to have to go back to that chapter and replay it when I can blast the music for myself. Would highly um, recommend doing that. Celeste is yeah. one of my favorite games of all time. I think I've done like a full 100% completion like at least four times by now. Wow, it's with just, all the uh, all the fruit and everything? All the strawberries, all the B-sides, C-sides, even some of the golden strawberries. You might not even know what those are. Wow. Uh, the golden strawberries don't unlock until you complete like all of the chapters and all the B-sides and C-sides. And they're a strawberry that spawns at the start of a chapter. You pick it up. And it activates flawless mode. If you die at any point, you get sent back to the start of the chapter. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. It's really rough. Uh, but Celeste is just like a game that it feels so good to play. And even though I've seen all those screens like dozens of times and I know exactly how to beat them, it's just that rush of going back into that game and just completing a few levels even feels so good to do and yeah. i still just to this day cannot explain why but it's it, it's a fantastic game and i urge everyone that hasn't played it yet if you like platformers go have a look at celeste yeah it is worth every penny it is it is it is really a masterpiece i i am not a great platformer and i even love it um you know if if we're going somewhere and my kids are not on their on their switch that is definitely my go-to for for playing when i have some switch time so i'm i'm with you 100 percent on that just not at the same skill level (laughs) do you (laughs) so if you like platformers did you ever uh we have a a community member that's um pretty good pretty well known for doing mario maker levels and uh active in that are you are you into that community or that scene at all as well? I'm not in the Mario Maker community personally because I just I don't have Mario Maker on my Switch. Uh, it's okay. a game that I'd love to own one day, but I am very much a Nintendo kid. Yeah, uh, I, I was always a Nintendo kid, right? I grew up with uh, original Game Boy Advance, then the DS, then the Wii, uh, and like nintendo games have always had a very special place in my heart to this day my favorite game of all time is super mario galaxy 2 uh and i don't think any game will ever come close to that i've never played that 
Is it uh what in, in like terms? I, I actually know nothing about this Mario game. Um, oh. <laughs> is it in terms of like a Mario game? Is it your typical like like uh, Mario type of game, or is there something specific to it? Like it is a three D Mario platformer, but the entire okay. main idea is that it is in space. And it plays with gravity a lot. Like you have these very tiny circular planets that have their own like gravitational pull uh, to them. And you can jump from one planet to the other planet and suddenly like the gravity shifts around and stuff like that. And it plays so incredibly well, especially it's a Nintendo Wii game. And it's still to this day, Super Mario Galaxy 2 looks almost as good as like super mario odyssey which is on the switch and only came out like five years ago yeah and it they still look just as good and it plays amazingly uh i also i am a bit biased it's the first game that i ever like fully completed 100 percent of i got every star every secret everything um and i've done it multiple times since then and every time i go back to that game like uh, especially some of the music almost just brings me to tears just from nostalgia, right? Yeah, it's I, I such feel a that. fantastic game. It's also the first, uh, the first fully like first party Nintendo title that they got an orchestra to like record the entire soundtrack for. Um, Interesting. It's one of the first Nintendo titles that they did that for, and that soundtrack once again also to this day, is my favorite video game soundtrack of all time. It's not actually Destiny. <laughs> um, I, so I'm getting the feeling that you have some similarities with my co-host. Do you, do you like, um, in video games, do you like what we call checking off boxes? Do you like hitting all the achievements <laughs> and like 100% in games whenever possible? It depends on the game. Okay. I, will, I will admit, if uh, like, I'll, I'll name some of the more recent, like, Destiny seasons. I have not had the urge to complete the seasonal titles in the last few seasons of Destiny. Okay. Uh, like, especially this year, I, I like doing all of the content, but when it comes to, like, triumph hunting in Destiny, no, not really. Unless it's something that, like, I genuinely enjoy doing for example, the dungeon that came out yesterday, yesterday. I finished <laughs> the solo flawless. I finished the title. I've done like 10 runs of the dungeon already um, because that's content that I enjoy so much that I absolutely don't mind running it in a bunch of different ways and getting all of those things, ticking off all those boxes. Um, so it, it depends on my enjoyment when it comes to first party Nintendo titles most of the time. Yes, I do enjoy uh, achievement hunting and like getting getting all the secrets, getting all of the collectibles, uh, and all that. I do enjoy that, but it has to be a game that I that I like a lot. I wouldn't play a game, finish it, and then think, "Ah, eh, that was pretty all right." Now I'm gonna do everything. No, if I if I didn't have like a flawless, fantastic time, I probably wouldn't. I really respect that. I um. A lot of people will put themselves through situations or devote time to achieve, um, you know, some sort of box to check or some sort of achievement, triumph, whatever, in content that they don't like, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, 
I definitely think that that's a really good approach that you have a really healthy approach is, you know, if I, if I enjoy it, I'm fine going all in for it. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. It took me a while to get over that. Like back in the days of, you know, the, the forsaken and shadow keep seasons and even like the, the beyond light seasons, I, I very much did have that FOMO of wanting to complete the seasonal title. Sure. Uh, Because, you know, it's kind of like an I was there when thing. You know, you have the seasonal title you can show later, like, hey, I played that season. I was there for that, right? But it's come to the point where titles have kind of lost meaning to me. Uh, Like, I've experienced the season. I did the story quest. I did the activity. I have some of the weapons that I wanted. That that's enough for me, right? I don't really feel the need to um, play that season to the point of exhaustion uh, and to the point of burnout. Like with with plunder recently, I yeah. uh, I was like, you know what? I've done everything that I've wanted to do this season. I got my day one King's Fall. I guided like forty people through. Got all the weapons from it that I wanted. I got all the seasonal stuff that I wanted, and I logged off the game and I didn't log in for like month and a half and then for the season i came back and now i'm now i'm enjoying playing again so yeah destiny is a game that like i can easily sink you know uh 10 hours a day in like a week that i don't have anything else to do i can easily do that but i only do it when i you know feel like i have a reason to and when i enjoy doing that i think yeah i think it's a pretty common trend um to it's a game that you need to need to take breaks from, right? To really Absolutely. appreciate the game, like it's very important to set it down when you need to set it down and come back, whether it's a week, two weeks, two months, like come back at a different point and then have enjoyment again because the burnout is real. I think a lot of people felt the burnout this season, which is yeah. which is really weird because like I mean, you know, we're talking like $10, right? It's 10 dollars at least in the US for for the expansion. And you're getting $10 worth of content. Absolutely. And, and the content is not bad. Like, I mean, they killed the shader game this year or this this past season. Uh, the ornaments were like on point. Like the, the actual seasonal content, if you didn't overplay it, was enjoyable. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that can be better or can be fixed. I 100% see that. I mean, I... I think I stopped playing Gambit like after after the first week or two and stopped running strikes after the first week or two. You know, I got I got my light level up a little bit and I was just like, I don't I don't want to do this content because I'll just burn out on it. You know, I'd much rather mm-hmm. run like a grandmaster or a master nightfall than run strikes over and over and over again. But that's just me. You know, my my co-host can run like strikes over and over again and totally enjoy it. Um, so, you know, it's, you you just kind of find whatever your, your fun is in it. Right. And not overextend the burnout. Cause yeah, I don't know, but it is interesting. Cause I, I just, it seems like a record number of people hit burnout this past season. I can see why, uh, like I'll admit the break that I took during plunder, like that month and a half, uh, hiatus from the game is the longest break that I have taken from the game since Curse of Osiris. Um, (laughs) And 
that isn't because the game is in the same state as Curse of Osiris. Let me make that very clear. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of people have been like spreading around like, oh my god, I haven't I haven't played the game this little since Curse of Osiris, and then other people accuse them of like, do you really think this season is as bad as Curse of Osiris? No. God, no. God, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, the it's the longest break I've taken in a while, and I see a lot of people accuse the seasonal model uh, from for, for that burnout. Like, the seasonal model doesn't work, and the con- it, it's, it's not enough content, it's not paced well enough. And while I agree to an extent, I think seasons are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing right now. They right. have some front front loaded content at the start of the season. You play all of that, and then it slows down. You get some story every week, uh, and then halfway through the season, the story is over. Everything's out. Maybe there's an end of season event. Sometimes there isn't, uh, but that's it, right? And what's supposed to happen is after. All of the seasonal content is done, and when you as a player have everything from the season that you want, you're supposed to go back into those core activities. Go back to those raids, those dungeons, those GM Nightfalls, strikes, trials, gambit, competitive, all of that, right? And the issue is, I think at least, is that this season, players really started to realize that those core playlists just don't keep them engaged for long enough to make yeah. it into the next season. Like, yeah. uh, I remember in Plunder, GMs came out. Uh, we knocked out all six GMs in about the span of two hours, and I didn't touch a GM for the rest of the season, because why would I? I have uh, 30 golf balls in my Postmaster, 150 prisms in my Postmaster. I don't have any exotics that I need god rolls for anymore, and I wasn't really that interested in the Nightfall weapons this season. So... I don't need to go into GMs, except if it's for fun, which I occasionally still do sometimes, because I enjoy GMs, especially some of the more fun ones. Um, trials. I'm not a PvP person, so I stay away from most things related to PvP, except for, like, Iron Banner, which I enjoy occasionally. Yeah. Gambit is Gambit, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, <laughs> and... The raids, like, while King's Fall is a fantastic raid, after running it, like, at least three times a week every week, um, and getting everything from it that I wanted, it's not particularly a raid that I would, on my own volition, say, hey, yeah, I'll run a King's Fall or two. Um, yeah, it's definitely that old model, right? It's, it's, they did a good job bringing it up. Like, they made some decent changes to make it fun, but it's kind of that old, like, stand there and shoot model versus, mm-hmm. like, that, the, what we've, what we've grown into, which is more of, like, the move around, do things, be active, like, be more engaged. And I think that, yeah. that goes a long ways. For me, it's also just the length of the raid. Like, we, we ran a DSC, uh, we ran a Deepstone Crypt last week. Or, like, earlier this week when, you know, the weapons were reprised. And we were like, you know what, let's go into Deepstone Crypt. Let's see what some of these new weapon perk rolls are. And doing that kind of made me realize how much I miss the more compact, shorter raids. Because we haven't had one in a while. Uh, We had Vault of Glass, which is, you know, pretty long. It's five encounters and an opening encounter. You have the Gorgon's Maze. Uh, It's pretty long. Uh, yeah. and then we got Vow, which has like a 10 minute opening encounter, a quite long jumping puzzle in between the second and third. Uh, it's also a pretty long raid. And then King's Fall, don't even get me started. It takes like, what, 
15 minutes to get to the first encounter with, you know, with your average team. Um, yeah. Like, a Deepstone Crypt, the team that I usually play with, we can consistently finish that raid in about 40 minutes. King's Fall is always one that goes over an hour, right? And it yeah, just made me realize like, yeah. how much I miss having that raid that you can just go into, have a fun experience the whole way through, and within three quarters of an hour, you're done, you're out, and you can go do something else. It's not as big of a commitment to do a Deepstone Crypt as it is to do a King's Fall. And... I just miss some of the shorter raids. I love long raids. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like day one vow. Oh fantastic. god, that was so much fun. It was so it was much fun. So good. Yeah. Um server issues aside, which luckily we didn't hit really anything of. We got error coded once in the opening encounter and then never again. We uh, um, I think we got hit like three or four times, but someone was able to sneak far enough ahead that we were able to <laughs> to advance we didn't we didn't get stopped like other people did like not as bad i think we only had to go to orbit like three or four times yeah exactly what but was like, um oh i'm sorry mm -hmm. go ahead no go for it i was gonna say what was the um on your on your subject of short raids what was the one right after callus that was still on the leviathan it was super worlds. short yes god that was that raid Oh, my fire team, like, no matter what the raid was that we were doing that night, it was always, if we finished the raid quickly, it was like, should we go run Eater Worlds real quick? Because we know that even if we do a bad job, even if people are extremely, you know, inebriated, had too much fun, like, too much to drink, had too many edibles, whatever, whatever it is for the night, we could still knock out and eat our worlds in 45 minutes with, like, half-competent people. Um, Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like short raids are fun. Uh, it it's yeah, why I'm yeah. a little upset. Well, not necessarily upset, but like you know, the model of raids that we have now, we get one fully new raid a year, and yeah. obviously they want to make that raid a banger, right? They don't yeah, want right, to release right. a main expansion raid the length of Scourge or Crown or Eater or Spire or anything like that. They want to have a last wish level raid in yeah. their main expansion. And that makes sense, and I get that, and those raids are awesome. But I've been starting to feel the fatigue of running all characters every week, back-to-back, because uh, that's usually what we did. For, for years, ever since, like, Garden, I've always been running three raids, all characters, at reset, get all the pinnacles, get all the loot, and most of the time, that was really fun, but I've been seeing this not just in myself, but also everyone else. No one really wants to run three King's Falls back-to-back, -back, at least especially not after, like, the first few weeks. People just yeah. don't want to do that, because it's a raid that is really long, it's still a fun raid, but at the end of it, I don't really feel like, oh my god, that was awesome, let's do that again. I was like, oh my god, that was awesome, I'm gonna nap. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know? It's definitely it definitely feels like a raid where you're like, I if I'm running it three times this week, I'm doing it across two nights or three nights. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I'm with you on that. Totally. And that's uh, why I've been enjoying dungeons so much, right? Uh, it's why I finished the entire dungeon title in 20 hours, because um, dungeons, especially this one, kind of just like replace that for me a little yeah. bit. 
that's what I'm just going to ask. Just like, some pop into, you can just knock one out and then 30, 40 minutes later, you're done. And you can either do another one or play something else or go to bed or whatever it is that you plan on doing. It's not that big of a commitment yeah. to do. Yeah, I, I, I kind of was wondering that when you're as we've been talking, I'm like, you know, maybe dungeons kind of are our mini short raids. But then again, you're only going in with three people. You don't have your six man fire team. So it's like similar, but not the same. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I definitely uh, and, and this dungeon echoed those feelings even more for me because it is a pretty compact dungeon. They yeah. cut a lot of the fluff uh that some of the previous dungeons have like shattered throne has those massive jumping puzzle sections that take a long time to get through grasp of adverse has that opening section with all the traps and and all that that you need to go through uh duality has a pretty long opening jumping puzzle with the bells as well and with this season or with this dungeon you can just feel like they cut most of that there's still a jumping puzzle in there there's still some stuff in between the encounters but they cut a lot of the boring stuff and kind of just said, okay, you're done with this encounter. Go here now. Do the next encounter. Finish that up. And it just feels so nice to have a dungeon that flows so nicely from start to finish. Uh, It's not difficult. The only difficulty, I guess, is that the bosses are quite the bullet sponge. Uh, Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of people complaining about, like, the fact that the dungeon is really easy. I don't mind... If I want a harder experience, I'll do it on Master. We did that as well last night, and that was really well-balanced. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. But I don't want to go into a dungeon and have my ass kicked constantly and only barely make it through. That's what solo flawless dungeons are for. That's what Master dungeons are for. Um, I, I just want to go in and have a good time. And this dungeon, I went in and I had a good time. And I'm looking forward to doing that every week for for a while. Is the master version of the dungeon just add more champions? I really like how they did the master for this dungeon. Okay. First of all, there's no barrier champions. It's just overload. So it's just one of the two champion types, which is awesome. Second of all, while match game is on, there are no shields in the final boss encounter. And the only other shields that appear in the rest of the raid are Arc Harpies. That's it. Awesome. Nothing else. If you have an Ikelos SMG with Overload SMG, you're set for the Master. You that need nothing fantastic. else. So, yes, it is still add more champions and add match game and increase the power level, but it doesn't feel as bad as, uh, say, Master Vow or Master King's Fall does. Because... Okay. The while the champions are a part of the main mechanic, they replace like uh one at one enemy type, they replace those with overload minotaurs. Okay. Um for the master, and those are an integral part to the mechanics of the dungeon. Um but they they feel appropriate for master difficulty rather than just adding champions for the sake of adding champions. I'm still cool. not a supporter of the champion system. No. They have this brilliant difficulty scaling system yes. that right in front of them, which is the Witch Queen Legendary campaign, and they've never used it again, and I'm still upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm with you 100% on this. I, I want a contest mode swap, like a contest mode Please. option. You know, <laughs> give me day one contest mode option 
Don't mm-hmm. call it master grandmaster. Just have have this contest mode difficulty. And I and you know, I unfortunately only have played enough D2. Um so I got back at like midnight last night. We've been gone for a week, so like we spent like a good hour, hour and a half hanging out with the puppies and like playing with them, giving them snuggles, you know, doing all those things that you do with your pets when when you've been gone for a while. And so I woke up this morning in hopes to like play some of the new content. And I basically just got through to uh, where you go to the helm, <laughs> you know, so I only got like I only got like half hour in, into it, 40 minutes, yeah. whatever, whatever that first two or three fight scenes are. Um but I hear that the new um, the new the seasonal mode uh, is like a plus five difficulty modifier yes. on it. So it's there is a contest modifier on the seasonal activity, and yes. it is by far the best thing they've done this season. And that's yes. what I've seen. Like you know, I it was really nice because while I was on vacation, like I I definitely am one of those people who needs less screen time on my cell phone. And the entire week it was, I I woke up and watched the sunrise every day. So it was wake up before the sun's up, be outside, watch the sun come up, have my phone for like an hour and a half and then put it on the charger. And I don't look at it again until, until it's night. Right. You know? So like I got my scrolling in either early in the morning or late at night, but I constantly saw so many people being positive about this, this contest or this plus five modifier, I'm so excited to jump in because like, I feel like that's what we really need, right? It isn't, it isn't champions. It isn't being forced to do hard content with like a very strict loadout. It's let me bring in the guns that I want and make it challenging, right? Sadly, there are still champions in the main seasonal activity, uh, which does suck. I think it would have been a lot better if there weren't, especially because the champion types are unstops and barriers. Uh, Barriers, you can usually cheese without having the barrier mod. Unstops take uh, only 33% of full damage when they are not stunned. Yep. Uh, So if you want to have a smoother experience, you're going to need to bring an unstop, sadly. But it's a move in the right direction. Like... Not only are they moving towards a world without power, because uh, the 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 weekly story mission, right, that unlocks after you. Uh, I'm assuming you haven't done that yet. No. But the weekly story mission, it's at 1570 power, but it specifically says once you select it in this activity, your power level will be set to 1570. No matter what level you are, even if you're 1400, your power level is set to 1570. And in the seasonal activity, your power level is set to five levels below whatever the activity's power is, which I think is 1580. I I have no idea. Um, But you can just see that with these seasonal activities, they're kind of taking power out of the question. And they're just like, we choose what power level you are for this activity. You don't have to worry about it. Just play the content and enjoy. Yeah. Right? And And it really makes me feel... Like they are working on some bigger behind-the-scenes power change stuff, either for Lightfall or for Final Shape or whatever is after that. But it, everyone has heard like the the pinnacle grind fatigue by now. Yeah. Uh, it sucks having to do ten levels of pinnacles every season uh, just to get access to GMs again. Um, it's just not really that fun, especially when. 
the only new pinnacle source so far this season is the new dungeon. Um, so far, there's no other new sources of pinnacles, so you're just running the same things. I still have to run my preservation every week. I still have to do Vox Obscura every week. Uh, and it just starts to get a little bit boring, so I really hope that they have some major reworks in in the works for the power grind. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I, You know, and wouldn't it be great if, like, there was just a mod that said anti-barrier? Or just a mod that said unstoppable. I mean, really, honestly, I'd just rather not have to put on a mod at all and, and just do your loadout how you want. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you get a fun gun, like, it's fun to bring that gun everywhere. I don't want yep. to leave. I don't want to leave that gun in my vault and only bring it into, like, low-level PVE or low-level, like, PvP. Like, I just want to be able to, like... You know, if I, if I want to play silly with a silly weapon or have fun, like, just let me do it. Like, if I want to bring a cheesy, like, loadout that synthesizes with with itself to kill things with, like, that's what makes the game fun. So why restrict us to running, you know, certain weapons? I think when, uh, you know, that, that email came out that shows, like, what weapons you used in uh-huh. this previous yep. season, like, Le Monarch was in there for me. Oh, and it's and it's not because I love La Monarch. It's because, because overload champions. <laughs> it's because of overloads and <laughs> running La Monarch and and an auto was like I, it through you know most of my hard content was La Monarch yep. and an auto just because it, it made the most sense or it made it easy to bring people into GMs that maybe didn't have a lot of experience with it. Yeah. So every single GM except for Lightblade last season had overload champions. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I think we're very much on the same page there. Just, uh, I, I understand what they're doing. I understand the theory behind it, but I think it takes away from so much of the game and it, it just makes it so, so many weapons are just, they just collect dust, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's, I, I still enjoy doing GMs and I still enjoy like uh, making loadouts for it. But last season, like my build was Arbalest, a bow, and then a linear heavy or like a rocket for yeah. every single GM that I ran. Uh, the only GM where I had to swap a weapon was Lightblade. I switched to a pulse for unstop instead of having uh, a bow for, for overload. And that was the only change I made to the whole loadout. Because yeah. uh, Arbalest, I had to run for shields and for barrier, and then the second weapon is just whatever the other champion type may be, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, I just hope that in the future, Bungie starts making more enemies like Briggs, Wyverns, the Hive Guardians that we got with Witch Queen, the Tormentors that we're getting with Lightfall, because those enemies are big, imposing enemies. They are difficult to fight against, especially when you're at like a power disadvantage, and they control the room. They That's do. what champions yeah. are supposed to do, but champions require you to bring some stupid loadout restriction just so yep. that you can deal with them. With yeah. the Hive Guardians or the Briggs or the Wyvern, sure, there are optimal weapons to be able to deal with them, but it's a choice at that point. It's not forcing you to bring that weapon like sure for briggs it's optimal to have weapons that deal aoe damage or that aren't reliant on crits because for the first like 60 percent of their health you can't hit crits on them 
No, and it's um, and it's very noticeable too. Like if you're trying to take them down, like especially in something like a GM, um, they it's very noticeable that you just you're just they aren't easy. They aren't going down quickly, right? And it's it's not because they're cheesy, but it's because they're a well designed enemy. Yeah, and it's why I hope that like. Uh, and even in GMs, like, the Hive Guardians are treated as champions. When you kill one, you get a revive token. So, like, they're champions in every sense of the word, except for the fact that you need a barrier overload or unstop weapon to deal with them. Yeah. And I just kind of hope that that's the, the sort of, like, difficulty scaling that they're going to start using more of. Instead of adding champions in the master mode, just... Add an extra Hive Guardian, or add an extra Tormentor, or do what they did with the Witch Queen campaign, uh, where if you go on Legendary, there will either be more enemies, or enemies will be upgraded from, like, red bars to orange bars, or they will get some more shields, um, or anything like that, right? Just right. anything to make it harder that doesn't involve putting a restriction on your loadout. Because yeah, that's what that's Witch Queen important. did so incredibly well. And then even the better part, having that scaling in there, where uh, if you're with one person, there's going to be less enemies than if you're with three people. Uh, so it, it's always balanced to the fire team that you bring in. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that is just what I enjoy so much because it's accessible to everyone. Everyone can go in and it'll be appropriately difficult for them. And they can bring their favorite guns and then try and beat it with that. And if that doesn't work, you can... like. Theory craft a bit. Okay, what else do I use then? But it's never telling you, hey, here's a lock, and we are forcing you to bring this key. Because that's yeah, the whole yeah. champion system. It's lock and key. The champion yep. is the yep. lock, and whatever's in the artifact is the key. And, and, and if you, you know, don't have that, you're done. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, the, the, you know, the weapons that you can bring in there's really only a select few that are like top tier for, for what you're trying to get done, you know, or, or combinations, you know, like whether it was like RB and a pulse rifle or like Quicksilver yep. storm and a bow or La Monarch and an, you know, and a kinetic auto, like their options, but, but there's just, they're so limiting, you know, in what you can do. And obviously you can do anything, but if you're, if you're trying to like, get through and be successful in your run. Um, yeah. You know, I've not used have... another like uh, barrier weapon than Arbalest ever since Arbalest yeah. got anti-barrier. I've not used another anti-barrier weapon because Arbalest is just the best option because you can deal with all shields in the nightfall. So you can bypass match game and it can break barrier shields in one shot, and also add a debuff to that champion so your Arbalest can take him down faster when you break the shield. It's just... It's overwhelmingly the best option, and it's not even close, and that stuff is always going to exist. Dude, There's always yeah. going to be that option that you use in a GM, because it's just the only weapon that you should be using, unless you want to make it hard for yourself, right? It's obviously, right. if you want to make it hard for yourself, by all means, use different weapons. But when I'm doing GMs, and especially when I'm farming them, I don't want to put on a weapon that's going to make it harder for me. I want to have a loadout that can just breeze through it. And yeah. that's been the same loadout for a year now. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I, I did play around with snipers a little bit with anti-barrier. Was it last season? It might have even it been It was last season. season, yes. And and the sniper, it worked. I mean, it works, right? It, it, was, it was not a horrible option. It's not as good as Arby. Um, but, you know, very similar mindset as far as taking them down or being able to take them down quickly. But then you have, like, the plus six on the mod. So it's like, okay, so if I'm running a four recovery and then this, then I have nothing else to put into this arm. You know, yeah. you're, 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 you're taking my entire arm and now my secondary weapon has to have an intrinsic perk on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting model that they decided to run with. But I think, I, I think that hopefully... You know, they've shown us in the past that they've been pretty good about listening to the the community. Um, yeah. So so I think hopefully they'll be moving towards uh, a better option. You know, it's just such see... a difficult thing to move away from because they're so baked into the game. Yeah. And they're so baked into all of the difficulty options that this game has, like to make a a different uh and an entirely different system and then move that to everything like sure they made the witch queen legendary like campaign scaling uh yeah. but that took a lot of dev time to do that is so much balancing work to to make that and they also probably weren't confident enough to put that everywhere else in the game because what if they did and it just didn't land well because that you that can happen right maybe it maybe it just wasn't that good and then they would have put it everywhere, and they would have had all that wasted dev time. So I'm sure that they are working on something to alleviate the champion fatigue. And already in like the most recent Master Dungeon, you can feel that they're trying to make it as painless as possible while still using the old st system, right? Mm -hmm. So you can tell that they know, but they just aren't able to do anything major about it just yet uh same with the power level thing like they can't remove the power level system from the game yet but they can give you an activity that just sets the power for you so that you don't need to worry about it it shows that they know they're aware of the fact that it's not great and they're doing everything they can to make it as painless as possible for you while they work on a more proper solution right it's a band-aid fix but it yeah. works for now so yeah, no, I still have full confidence that they'll they'll figure something out. Absolutely. I think that we see that too. Um I was listening to I think it was Destiny Community Podcast with Paul Tassie. Um mm -hmm. the, where they said something similar about like airborne effectiveness and how they've they've kind of made that their they've made their bed with airborne effectiveness changes, but then we see them slowly pulling things back right you know like yeah. they announced that like the kinetic changes are coming so kinetic weapons will be more like they used to be and and i think that that's a good sign um but development takes time and yeah. software takes time you know so it's like it's like uh it, it's I don't know, double-edged sword, right? Like they're listening to us and they are making changes. Um, but, you know, the community who is 
maybe not the best at being patient has no understanding <laughs> of like it, it does take time like like we're making these changes we're actively doing yeah. stuff but uh, i mean you know, being someone tomorrow being someone that's been studying game development for about three years now like i understand yeah. the struggle uh and obviously i'm not as like I, I can't say I'm on the same level as anyone working at Bungie. I'm still studying, after all. But, like, uh, Joe Blackburn posted a genius tweet thread about this a few days ago, how they are very much aware of the seasonal fatigue that's happening. Yeah. And yeah. they're working on it for Lightfall and the follow-on seasons. But it just... And this is the direct quote. It takes time for player feedback to catch up with the dev cycle. Yeah. Like... Their their development cycle, They Joe Blackburn said in that tweet thread, we are over halfway done with season 21. We're in season 19. We're like six months away from season 21, and they're over halfway done with it already. Any yeah. feedback that we give now has like a 50% chance to make it into season 21, which is half a year from now. Yeah. And sure... If it's some smaller things, obviously they're able to make those changes a bit faster. Like, uh, we've seen times where an exotic was so incredibly good and it was so incredibly broken everywhere that uh, they pulled it forward to a mid-season patch to get it out as fast as possible, right? Uh, we've seen them do that with smaller things, but with something much bigger, like the champion system and the seasonal model. And all of those, they can't just take that feedback in season 19 and apply it to season 20. That's going to take some time. Uh, yeah. Sadly, that's just the nature of, of a game like Destiny. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think with the seasonal model stuff too, um, you know, another good point that I, that I heard them bring up was it isn't necessarily that the seasonal model is bad but the seasonal model is the same every season, right? So even if yeah. you have this good seasonal model, but you just make some modifications to it, so it's not the same thing every season, so we don't know exactly what we're getting into, yeah. um, that, that, goes, that goes a long ways for sure. Like, you just have to think about, uh, I, I remember Season of the Chosen came out, and they did this revolutionary thing where you have a story quest every week and you have dialogue every week and it progresses yeah. over time and it reaches yeah. a culmination and it was so good and everyone praised it and they're doing the exact same thing a year and a half later and everyone seems to hate it and i'm like what happened this everyone loved the system what, what happened to it and if you look at it from the seasons that we had before that like we had hunt which had like two major seasonal story events, which was the first mission and the last mission. Uh, we had Arrivals, which the only real story that you had every week was like two dialogue lines from Eris, and that was it. <laughs> um, we had Worthy, which had the Almighty is falling to Earth, and then, oh, the, here's the live event. Uh, and that's some stuff throughout the season, but like, there wasn't really that much story progression happening in the game. So the thing that they did with Chosen was fantastic, giving you, like, an update on what's going on every week. And they did it even yeah. better with Splicer, I'd argue. Yeah, well, but and it keeps people from burning through it, too, right? Yeah. And also just makes sense in the world itself. Like, especially during Splicer, you know, the, the Elixni move into the city and... 
all of that discourse isn't going to happen in a single day. Like, yeah. if they turned it into, like, an old-fashioned campaign, like what we used to get with Curse of Osiris, Warmind, you know, Dark Below, House of Wolves, all that, if they turned it into a campaign, it would feel weird, because yeah. all of those things don't happen immediately one after another, and sure, it's time-gating, it's to make sure that you come back to the game every week, there's a business side to it, Yeah, but it makes the story make a bit more sense that these things aren't happening right after one another but instead that there's some downtime in between it right i think it's logical too right they're taking they're taking like the disney uh hbo streaming like philosophy of release one episode at a time over six to eight weeks so that your content is popular and talked about for six to eight weeks yep versus the netflix approach which is you want it here you go and everyone loves it you know they love they love whatever that show is or whatever that content is but they burn it they burn through it it is relevant for a week or two and then it's like okay now we have two and a half months now what you know we've been playing strikes for two and a half months now what bungie and it that's the player base being entitled a little bit but i also think like it does make sense you know to to stretch it out to your point, the business model of it, right? Make it, yeah, give you a reason to come back and play Destiny, and then give you time to do those other things. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I personally appreciate that about Destiny is that at the end of a season, I have time to enjoy other things. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. want Destiny to be a game that I have to play at least ten hours a week to get everything from. I love yeah. playing Destiny for ten hours a week. And, you know, this week alone, the week isn't even over yet. And I think I've put like a good 40, 50 hours into the game this week. (laughs) Uh, So, like, I love doing that, but I'm very much the type of person that something comes out, I absolutely go balls to the wall, do everything, uh, and I enjoy doing that a lot. And then, you know, the seasonal stuff sets in, I log in every week, I do my raids every week, I play for five, six hours for the first few weeks until the seasonal story's over, then I check, okay, what do I still need? I get all of that, I do a couple GMs, occasional raid or dungeon, and usually the last few weeks of the season, I'm not playing more than two hours a week, right? Yeah. Uh, except yep. if it's right before a main expansion, because I do tend to be one of those people that likes bounty prep. I know, sue me. <laughs> oh, oh no, Gator, our, our good buddy Gator, he just perked up. If he's listening, he's getting all excited dancing in his chair. Uh, I, so then I have to... I, I, have a, I have a confession to make. Uh, okay. This week, um, yeah. I spent about six weeks farming moon... Or six hours farming moon bounties. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah, there you- were some mods in that seasonal artifact, and I was like, if I want to get that solo flawless done day one, I'm going to need those mods. So I, uh, I spent a long time on the moon getting enough XP to get those mods. And I didn't mind doing that because I had a clear reason to do it, right? Yeah. There was a goal yep. there. And uh, the reward for me was being able to have an easier time with that solo flawless on the first day. Because that's what I wanted to do. But no, I, God, no, I wouldn't just go to the moon to farm bounties if all I needed to do was complete my season pass. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have a very similar mindset. I also like if my glimmer is full, I get bounties just because my glimmer is full. Like if I'm in <laughs> orbit and I'm going to go play Crucible, 
I don't, I'm not getting really anything from it at this point in the season. You know, whatever, when I'm, when I'm at this point in the season, I should say like, it, it isn't that I need to get even higher. Cause I'm probably at two or 300 at that point in the season pass, but it's that my glimmer is full. So I'm just going to buy bounties and run crucible and get XP because like, I, I just feel like I'm wasting, <laughs> wasting resources if I'm not. Um, yeah, no, I grab yeah. bounties for every activity that I play just because, and if I don't complete them, then I don't complete them. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But yeah, it's just extra, extra XP for it. But yeah, so, no, I, I spent a lot of time XP farming this week because I, I really wanted to get those season mods and I'm like season rank 52 now. Uh, wow, that is fantastic. I love oops. that. I, so, okay, so here's my approach. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if you're similar. Um, at the beginning of the season, I, I really actually look at the bounties and I'm like, okay, I got to get whatever kills, you know. And I'll either go for that weapon or the, that type of kills, or I'll delete it and just pull a different random bounty that that goes with whatever I'm playing. But then I'll find like later in the season, I'll just fill up on bounties and I'll start checking them off. And if I notice something's not budging, I'll either look at it and switch to, well, no, later in the season, I'll look at it and then I'll just delete it and grab a different one. So like if I get gunsmith bounties and I, and I complete a bunch of them as I'm doing my activities and I have like three left and they're like, you know, auto rifle bounties. And I'm like, I don't feel like doing auto rifle today. I'll either delete them or just continue playing whatever I'm playing and not worry about it. Do you, do you take a similar approach or do you really like change up your play style and load out um, throughout the entire season based on the bounty? Um, I like sticking to the weapons that I like, and for example, uh, I was playing Gambit for my seasonal challenge uh, earlier this week. I grabbed some Gambit bounties, and one of them said that I need to get kills with Void abilities. And I had an entire loadout set up for Arc Titan at the moment, so I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna get those kills. But usually... I don't really put in the effort to delete the bounty and grab another one until it's one that I can do. I just wait 26 hours for the bounty to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, no, like if, if it's one that I can't do, it's one that I can't do unless it is like, unless it's specifically the reward of the bounty that I am after. Like the, the Seraph bounties, uh, the one for the season, they actually give yeah. reputation for the vendor. So I'm like, okay, no, I will adjust my playstyle to that because that's a reward that is actually useful because getting more reputation gives me more guaranteed deep sight weapons. And I want those. So then I do it. But if it's just for XP, like, I'm not going to feel missing out on 6,000 XP. I'd, I'm not going to feel that. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, I think we're very similar then because I, I definitely... I'm only going to change my play style if it's early in the season and I need I need XP rank on the seasonal pass because I'm trying to get some or I need I need to unlock something. So I think I'm I'm very much in the same boat as you like. It, again, unless my glimmer's full and then I'll go and delete them and pick up more. But yeah, I just yeah. I'd rather play with what I want to play with, you know. Yeah, no, I, I like just sticking to what I know. Um, some people would call me a meta slave, uh, which you'd be right. I am. I love number crunching and just seeing, okay, what's the most optimal way that I can do this? Um, yeah. and even if it's like the, 
I, I remember back in the day of day one Val, like, Charged with Light had just been nerfed. Uh, normally everyone was running Protective Light, it had just been nerfed. So everyone was kind of like trying to figure out new builds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember on day one Val, when we were at Rolk, we were struggling with damage. Uh, I suddenly said, what if we all swap to a stasis subclass, except for like one or two people? We all put on Reed's Regret, and we let the well locks generate stasis elemental wells with Supreme Wellmaker, so that we all get the Font of Might boost. And that's oh, something nice. that that's something that we'd never done before. Like no one had been using Font of Might up until that point because people just didn't think it was worth it. And suddenly, you start doing thirty five percent more damage. And sure, switching to a stasis subclass wasn't the best, but Rolk isn't necessarily the encounter where you're really going to need your subclass to like either stay alive or clear ads. There isn't that much going on outside of the mechanics, right? Yeah. So, and that, we ended up doing it like that. And I, I love going into uh, a new dungeon or a new raid and just figuring out what is the most optimal thing to use here. Um... Like, for the solo Flawless on, on this dungeon, I ended up using Argent Ordinance, a charge with light mod that increases your rocket launcher damage. I have never used that before. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't even know what the name of it meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have never used that mod before, but I was like, well, I need some sort of way to buff my own damage. I have a debuff on the enemy. Yeah. I just don't have yeah. a buff for myself. So I just started looking around. Is there any way that I can improve the damage of this rocket? And then I saw Argent Ordinance. I was like, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I'm, I don't like adjusting my playstyle like, too much, because I like figuring out what is the best loadout I can equip here, and then I like to stick to that. Because yeah. um, I just find it so satisfying to come up with a loadout like that and just have everything fall into place, right? And everything just works um so i i don't really like switching too much i did not change a single weapon in my arsenal last season i think i don't think wow. i even added a new weapon to my arsenal i haven't used any of the plunder weapons or king's fall weapons uh oh one weapon sorry the taipan void linear fusion it's the only one that came out last season that i've been consistently using because i just like i i test them and then i'm like you know i have something that i that I think I can use better, and that I keep that, which is why I wasn't really interested in anything last season, because I wasn't interested in any of the weapons, so I didn't really play much. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm very similar in PvP. I will I will play what... I, I, I'm a very average player, so I will play with whatever allows me to have the best odds in my favor, yeah. if I'm playing to win. I mean, obviously, I... We we do a lot of private matches with the community. Um, so if we're doing private matches, I'm very open to playing something different just to bring it into private matches that week. I did. Yeah. I started doing that a lot at the end of the season just because it's like you're playing with friends, like you're trying to have fun. So like I don't care really if I win or lose. I'm I'm more trying to just have fun. So I'm okay bringing a fun loadout in. But if I'm really trying to win. Like, I'm going to give me whatever, I'm going to take in whatever is giving me the best edge, right? Whatever is going to make me the most successful, you know? And if that's PVE content, yeah, sure, man. Yeah, I don't think I'll, there's any problem with that. 
yeah, I'll run, I'll run storm nades and, you know, or, yeah. or I'll run, I'll run my warlock and, and run like, you know, restoration, like constantly and healing nades and, you know, or, or just set everything on fire constantly. Like that's, it's yeah. just what, whatever's I've never working. understood the people that complain about, I mean, I understand like sometimes a weapon is so good and it's just, it just sucks that you get killed by it every single time. Right. But right. Complaining about the weapon, sure, but I always see so many people complaining about the people using it, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. if there is a weapon out there that is so good that me, an absolute awful PvP player, can top frag in a game, I will use it, yeah, because yeah. that brings me the most fun, it brings me the highest reward, and why would I not use what is just objectively better than some of the other options if you're a really good pvp player and you can use stuff that isn't considered meta better than other people can use the meta by all means like that that's awesome right if you can use some niche weapon combination and absolutely dominate lobbies with it that's awesome but yeah. i'm never gonna shame someone for just using the best options because i would too <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, th that, you know, that has always like made me scratch my head because like one, like really you're you're upset that someone knows that something's good and they're using it because they need to use good weapons. Like why aren't they making the smart play? You're upset because they looked at the numbers and they're like, this is the most intelligent option for me and I'm going to go for it. And you're like, you're using the you're using the thing that's the best for you to use. How dare you? Why aren't you making it harder on yourself artificially? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then like the other thing I don't understand is getting, getting like so tilted about it, like getting so upset about the fact that you're playing with it. Like, I'm sorry, but you're setting yourself up with unrealistic expectations. If you go into PVP and you play something like comp or trials and you get mad that the enemy team is using the best weapons or the best loadout or the best subclass and you're mad that they're using that and you're mad that you're seeing that like is it really the loadout and the people or are you setting unrealistic expectations about going into a mode that's competitive where people yeah. are supposed to win like it's like yeah. come on guys use some common sense <laughs> <laughs> No, I've I, I've never been a, a fan of that complaint. I've always just been like, use whatever makes you happy. If it's niche weapons that you just enjoy using, even though they suck, great, good for you. Yeah. If it's yeah. the meta, just so that you can outplay other people, great, good for you. Is it always fun to play against the meta weapons? No, of course not. No. Like, I've seen some bad, bad things in PvP that I do never want to see again. But, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Don't hate yeah. the game. Don't hate on the people making the game. But yeah. you get what I mean. Like, if yeah, exactly. something is bad, it's because of that weapon or that exotic or that character, whatever, right? Whatever game you're playing, it's because of the balance of the game. If someone is simply using what is good... I don't see a problem with that. It's annoying, sure. Running, I, I remember uh, back in the day of when Trials first came into Destiny 2 again with Season of the Worthy, everyone was using Suros and Hardlight because it was just the best weapon to use back then. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Was it sure. annoying to be killed by Ricochet Hardlight bullets every game? 
Yes. Do I blame the people for doing it? No. I did, no, I did I, the I, same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the meta. I mean, I can... When you saying that visually brings the memory into my head of playing Trials on Burnout, and you yep. see someone peek one of the doorways, and you just hold down the trigger and fire it at that doorway. Even if they took cover, like, the, the, the choice, you know, the smart choice was throw let yeah. down range. It might bounce I'll be completely honest. Obviously, the Trials rework, or, like, the, the Trials of Osiris... Uh, that came out with Worthy wasn't great, but that weekend of PvP was some of the most fun that I've ever had in this game because oh, yeah. everyone yeah. was playing, right? It was yeah. so many people playing Trials. Uh, and it, it it was just good fun. I, we weren't even trying to go flawless. We were just having a good time, right? Yeah. Um, and I I feel like if you're a and obviously, I'm speaking from the perspective from a PvE player here. There's PvP players that know much better than me. I am not qualified to talk about these things. Or at least, I don't think I'm qualified enough to talk about them. But if you are someone who plays so much PvP, and you're not enjoying it anymore, I, I don't understand. There's better games out there for PvP. <laughs> right yeah yeah i my my mind's okay so i i love crucible but i as i stated i am very average and like so when i go into trials the only time i am trying to go flawless is if two people on my team are absolute pvp gods because that's what it takes yep. to back, back my ass to the to you know to the lighthouse if i'm playing with my average friends and they're like should we reset cards i'm just thinking to myself like do you guys have a realistic like do you really understand the three of us going into play some of these teams like we should just be playing for fun and take the round wins that we get and take the game wins that we get but like you know it's it you just have to be realistic with that and and, and that's, to me, that's what makes for a fun evening. If I am sitting there resetting every other game because I'm trying to go flawless with an unrealistic team comp, like, that's not... I uh, just set myself up for a bad time. Uh. Yeah, I play to have fun, and sometimes I play to get rewards. If If neither of those are happening, if there's no fun to be had and no reward to be gained, I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, one thing I want to talk about because you brought this up pre-show um, is the dungeon music. Like oh, you, you oh. said some about that, and I think that we need to definitely talk about this before the show is yes. over. So please yes. let me let me know this greatness. Okay, so a uh, little bit of Destiny music backstory here. Uh, back in the days of about 2012, 2011. Uh, before we even saw any gameplay of Destiny, like right about we even figured out that Destiny existed, um, the composers of uh, the game, uh, Michael Salvatore, Marty O'Donnell, uh, created an album called Music of the Spheres, uh, which was kind of supposed to be a musical prologue to the world of Destiny. Um... There wasn't any gameplay that we'd seen yet. In fact, a lot of that was still being worked on. They were still like conceptualizing what the franchise would even be. They were still figuring that out. But they made this album to kind of like inspire not just the music team, but a lot of people at the studio as to like what Destiny could be. 
and then they used that album and all of the tracks from that album, um, and they kind of built the Destiny soundtrack that we know today. They built that from the foundations of that album. Uh, like, the, the music that plays in the opening cutscene, still today in Destiny 2, you know, the, the one uh, Mars present day, you see the, the people touching down, you see the Traveler on Mars, that cutscene uh, uses the first track from Music of the Spheres. It uses the path. Um, because that was, like, where Destiny started conceptually. That, w that was it. And those melodies from that whole album have been used all throughout the Destiny 1 vanilla soundtrack, and even some throughout the Taken King. But they kind of stopped using the melodies from Music of the Spheres around the time of Destiny 2, because uh, mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff that happened among the music team. You might have just heard me mention Marty O'Donnell. Um, he was fired from Bungie uh, in between Destiny 2 launch and the Taken King. For reasons I won't go into, because that is a whole complicated debacle, but <laughs> they, they basically stopped using a lot of the melodies from Music of the Spheres after that. I don't know if that's the reason, if that's speculation, but they haven't really used it since. The last time that we heard a Music of the Spheres track in the game, for a while at least, was the Destiny 2 post-credits cutscene where you see like the pyramids being revealed for the first time. They used the tribulation there, and that was the last bit that we'd seen for a while. But recently, some more like small references to it have been popping up again. We have the Grasp of Avarice dungeon, uh, which clearly used some parts of the Rose, which is one of the Music of the Spheres tracks. It uses used like parts of the melodies of that. Not exactly, but a little bit. Okay. Um, then with the uh, Vox Obscura mission earlier this year, the, the Dead Messenger exotic mission, uh, they used The Rose, which is just a straight-up Music of the Spheres track. They just used that in that mission. Because in Destiny 1, it was used as a D1 Mars track, so it made sense to bring that track back to Destiny 2 for a mission that literally took place on D1 Mars, right? Uh, yeah. And then this dungeon, for the first time in years, they have fully referenced a Music of the Spheres melody in a new track again. They've referenced the Tribulation, uh, and to most people, that's not going to mean anything. But if you've been a fan of Destiny music for a long time and you've been like following along since D1 Vanilla, uh you will notice that melody, and it might spark something in you. Um, and to me, like, when, I, when, when we heard that for the first time, we were all freaking out, kind of, because it's, <laughs> it, means that, it means that they're looking at these roots of Destiny's music again, and they're taking inspiration from it again, um, which is so interesting kind of and we're almost coming full circle you know the the light and dark saga is almost coming to an end we have just over a year left uh before final shape comes out and it's kind of sure. interesting to see them pull these references again from all the way when destiny was first conceptualized at the near end of the saga right and it's so cool to see that again and it's not the only references that these these tracks use um, the new dungeon music also obviously makes a lot of references to Warmind music, uh, because it, it, it is a, uh, like, Seraph Tower, Seraph Bunker, after all, uh, 
it even makes some much weirder references. There's one reference in there to Guns Blazing, which is a track from the Forsaken soundtrack. It, that, that, that one doesn't mean anything, really. Uh, it's just a theme that they've generally used just like as a heroic guardian theme. Oh, okay, okay, um, yeah. It doesn't really mean anything, that reference, but it's still cool to hear it. Um, so it's really interesting to see like the, the small things that they've put into this dungeon music. And I, out, even outside of all of that, I am a big fan of it, because it feels like a new like Warmind track, but mixed with some Vex stuff. And hmm. I've always loved the Warmind soundtrack, and just to have a bit more of that, very welcome. Absolutely loved hearing that uh, yesterday while going through it. So, like, was it was it hard to focus on the gameplay when, like, you start going and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my, oh my God, what is this? Oh, my God, I know what this is. Like, did, it, was it, it like, this way. I'll put it this way. My day one Ray teammates occasionally complain about me talking about the music too much. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, uh, especially when it's music that we haven't heard before. Like, they, ha they didn't release this dungeon soundtrack uh, before the dungeon came out, right? Uh, okay. But with, like, f with Witch Queen, with the, um, the Vow of the Disciple raid, all of that music was on the soundtrack, or at least, like, most of it was on the soundtrack. So I'd already listened to all of it. Um, now, I hadn't heard the entire thing, because how Bungie does their soundtrack releases, they take... The tr they, they take the best tracks of that release and they cut them up in a way that makes it pleasurable to listen to and then that's what you get in the soundtrack. But it's hardly ever the full picture because Destiny's music is dynamic. It's not linear. So yeah. they can't just give all of that to you in a soundtrack release because you'd uh, if you truly compile everything together every track would be like 20 minutes long. And that's not a good listening experience, right? If you're listening to a soundtrack, you don't want to listen to the same idea for 20 minutes. You want to have like three to six minutes of one track and then you want to jump to the next one. So that's why yeah. they cut them up for the soundtrack releases. It's more supposed to be like a best of the Witch Queen instead of here is all of the music from the Witch Queen, right? It makes uh, sense. For example... With, uh, speaking of Vow, uh, the final boss theme, it's called The First Disciple, and on the soundtrack version is missing, like, two and a half minutes of music. Uh, so when we were doing that day one, day one raid, uh, when we got to the third phase on Rolk, uh, suddenly some new stuff started playing. And even though we were in phase three, you know, one more phase to go, everyone is stressed out. Uh, I couldn't help but make a comment about the music, and I was promptly told <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> and, that, and that makes sense. But, oh, God, that's great. Uh, but it, it, it even helps me sometimes. Like, there are musical cues in this game that tell you things before there is a visual cue telling you that. Uh, like, I knew 100% certain that Rolk was damageable before anyone else did because it played it, it it had a clear music transition in there and i was like we just did something that 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 was it and so i i shot him 
and I saw, oh, we did it. He's damageable now. And it's sometimes just the music can tell you that. And one of the best examples that I can give of that, you might remember the Leviathan raid had this, like, opening encounter or, like, lobby encounter, I guess. The Castellum, right? You had to yeah, yeah. go to the general area and then dunk three standards into uh, the door that you're trying to open and then go on to the next encounter. Uh, you might remember every time you dunked a standard, like a new symbol popped up above the next one, and that's the door that you needed to go to to grab the next one. Uh, but if you dunked a standard, it played a little melody in the music, and that melody was actually the main motif, the main melody used in the encounter that you had to grab the standard from. So without even looking at the symbol, if you memorize those cues, you would know exactly where to go. Wow. And it's obviously, you don't need to do that. Like, there's visual cues there. They can't do music cues like that that are supposed to hint mechanics at you. And they can't have that be the only thing because not everyone plays with music on. There's deaf people playing this game. It needs to be accessible, right? But it's just so cool that out of just the music alone, you can pick apart so much. Like, everyone knows raid bosses have, like, a, an iconic damage phase music, right? Uh, most people, at least, pay attention to that. Uh, and that's also things that we often get a lot of questions about, like, oh, like, can you... Uh, w what's this track called? I want to hear the damage phase music again. Because that's the most iconic part of a track, right? You finally figured out the encounter, you're damaging the boss, you're getting that health bar down. That's what everyone wants to hear, right? But it's so interesting to hear that there's so many different parts of the game that have these subtle music cues that can tell you so much. Uh, and it's just cool teaching people about that because it's, it's stuff that you normally don't pick up unless it's pointed out to you or unless you're a nerd like me. <laughs> it's super cool, though. It's, it's, it's really cool to learn that they, that they had, like, you know, you, you do pick up on the audio transitions for sure. But mm -hmm. knowing that they had like specific melodies for specific parts of the room, like that is that's rad. I love that that it's attention so to detail. Sick. Yeah, I mean, great. Destiny specifically. Like, if I had to like nominate a game for best dynamic music system, I think Destiny Two would be the one. Like, it executes it so incredibly well. Like, I it. I would be more than willing to go on a short tangent on how that is like set up in the game cuz it's it's really interesting to learn about. Yeah. I I mean by all means if you would like to the floor is yours. It's totally your goal. All right. <clears throat> so, basics in dynamic destiny music 101. Um uh, I like to explain destiny music as if it's a cake. And the cake has many different layers. It's a big cake. It has a lot of layers, right? Okay. And you want to share this cake with people. So you want to cut it up. Here's how Destiny does it. You have this one track, this one cake. And this cake consists of multiple layers, right? Multiple different fillings, like ingredients, all that. And in Destiny, those layers, in most cases, you have the drums, aka the percussion, and the rest of the music. Some tracks split it up in a few more, but most tracks do it that way. So you have this percussion layer, and you have the rest of the music. And you can take those layers out 
and you can add them back in. So at any point, the game can say, I only want to play the percussion now. And then it fades out the rest of the music. And then at any point, if they're like, wait, we want the rest of the music to come back in, the rest comes right back in. Most noticeable is in Patrol. If you're patrolling a destination, it's just playing the main music. But when you get close to enemies, percussion starts fading in. And then hmm. when you kill those enemies or when you get away, percussion fades back out. Right? It, that's very noticeable when you're in patrol. If you haven't never picked up on that, go into the throne world and just go around on your sparrow, start attacking some enemies, and you can hear that happen in real time. Uh, or in raids, um, very often what happens is in the first phase of a boss fight, you'll only have the percussion playing, and then when you get to phase two, the rest of the music comes in. So it can enable and disable these at any time. But that's not all that the system can do, because that cake, if you just divide it into layers and it's one big piece, you can't eat all of that in one go. You have to cut it up. So what they do is they cut every track up in smaller sections of like 10, 15 seconds. And at the end of every one of those segments, it can jump to any other segment of the track. And that's how the damage phase music works. Whenever you activate a damage phase on a boss, it waits until the end of the section that is currently playing, and then it jumps to the damage phase music. All seamlessly, without you actually noticing that, like, a, it's not a new track that's playing, it's the same track, but it just skips to a different part to make sure that the music matches up. Sure. And it can use those two different systems to make sure that whatever music is playing always matches up with your gameplay. And then Destiny does it in a slightly more organized fashion. Uh, most of the tracks have different, what's called intensity levels. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Definitely. the ambient, that just plays like whenever you go on a destination, you're just patrolling, or you're just starting an activity, it plays the ambient. Uh, then there's tension. Uh, usually this plays like either in between encounters, or um, like in... Uh, in sections of missions where, like, some interesting dialogue is playing. Uh, it's more tense than the ambient, but it's still quite quiet. Uh, and then you have action and high action, and this is the stuff that plays in the middle of encounters during boss fights. Uh, and the action and high action are usually uh, used for, like, different phases of bosses. Like, for Rolk, uh, when the encounters start, it plays the percussion of the action. Uh, you hear the intro, and then it switches to the percussion of the action. Once one phase is done, you get the entire action, so with the, the rest of the music on top of it. And then if you get to phase three, it switches to high action. Because, you know, it's the final phase, and Rage is near, he's almost dead. It has to be more intense, so it switches to the more intense version of the music to go along with that. And by using all of these different systems, the different layers, the different segments and intensity levels, and they can program in the music in such a way that it just always works. And it's so mm -hmm. geniusly done. Uh, because you have to imagine, like, the composers have to make these pieces in such a way that they can play in any order, right? Um, it, yeah. It's not like a... <laughs> It's not like you're composing a linear thing. You have to make sure that at the end of every section, 
you can go to any other section and it doesn't sound bad. And that's difficult to do. Yeah. So the composers of this game do an absolute phenomenal job in making that work. Uh, and it's such an awesome system uh, that even though it hasn't really changed in the past six years, with every expansion, it still just works phenomenally. I'm just imagining like um like looking at a Pro Tool screen and just seeing all those different layers of tracks that you have. And mm-hmm. you know, it is common it's common in music. Like we do music episodes and a lot of times we talk about, you know, the beat or the melody dropping in and out, changing up, like constantly growing and morphing and whatever. But when you put it into into the way that you just explained it, um, it really is quite amazing that they're able to compose it in a way that all of those pieces can so seamlessly work together. And mm-hmm. in such a fast, like the transitions are fast yet not abrupt. Right. Yep. Yep. So like, like you're having these transaction or these transitions that set the mood, that set the vibe, that, that elevate your senses, you know, maybe in a damage phase or towards the end of a damage phase or if enrageous near whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just so seamless. And it, you're right. It like, it really is amazing that they're able to compose it and edit it that way. And that's something that I think I, I I've always noticed the change up in the melody but I'm really interested to listen to, like, really picking out, like, the, the percussion dropping in and out or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Like, that's really, that's really interesting that they Yeah, they if, if you're interested way. in this sort of stuff and you want to, like, hear it in action, I would highly recommend just loading into the game and doing an activity that you're really familiar with and just turning dialogue and sound effects to zero so you only have the music and just pay attention whenever you do something if something changes the best places to test this stuff is dungeons uh okay especially some of the like earlier dungeons uh not i wouldn't do it in shattered throne but places like prophecy prophecy is a fantastic place to test it uh you have the cube right we all know the cube the second encounter Yep. Every time that you rotate that cube and activate another one of the sides, something changes in the music. It plays a new part. Um, to the point where uh, sometimes, like, when I'm playing Prophecy with people, people are asking, like, oh, how many sides left? How many do we still need? And I can just tell you by listening to the music alone, oh, we need two more. Because every side has its own... Uh, or, like, every bit of progress that you make has its own slight change to the music. And it's once you start picking up on those things and once you start learning about those things, it to me, at least my enjoyment of the game goes up when I learn about those things, because you don't only just get like the visual encouragement of like, oh, you've progressed an encounter, you've done something good, but you also get that auditory encouragement, like the change in the music that lets you know, hey, I did something. And that's good. I should keep doing that, right? And that's why they do it that way. That's 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 pretty amazing. That's I really am glad that you took the time to to kind of lay that out because I think a lot of people will appreciate that. And and maybe if they haven't heard it before, maybe it's something new that they're going to pick up on this week. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's I'm cool. planning to to turn that explanation into like a full proper like video essay in the future. <laughs> yeah, because. 
I, I feel like more people need to to have an opportunity to learn about this without having to do a bunch of research themselves. Because it is a pretty niche thing, and the Destiny music community isn't very big. Like, it's like one or two Discord servers that we mainly reside in, and that's where you can, like, that's where most people ask the questions. But if you're not in one of those servers or you don't know us, it's really hard to figure some of that stuff out. So it's kind of why I want to turn that into a video in the future to give people uh, like a, a, an entry point into learning more about the music of a pretty complicated game without having to do so much research and listening yourself, right? Yeah, and I think, I think much like lore, like I think people really enjoy learning it, and I think taking taking your knowledge and putting it into a way that that people can learn about it without having to do that research like i think i think people would really respond well to a video like that for sure and i and when you do that i mean i definitely definitely want you to share that um absolutely well i want you to share share all of our stuff i mean by all means like whenever you create something new we have channels for youtube stuff or for destiny stuff like as I tell our other create content creators in our community, like share that, like the discord is, is open to the community. It's not a discord about us, but it's a discord about our community. So, you know, people enjoy it. And I definitely want to see, I want to see that get out to more people, more eyes, more ears, you know, whatever it might be. So that's, that's definitely something that I would love to, uh, you know, just let us know when you, when you do that, because that'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, probably it's probably actually a really good reason to have you on again too. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can kind of kind of talk about it and, and jump into it. I I think too. I think it'd be really fun. Like, man, we've we've got down quite a few uh, quite a few awesome rabbit holes today. But I think I think it, we would be doing a disservice to the community if we don't have you on again and actually like um, you know bring in some some music and even dive deeper into you know whether it's your album or whatever we want to talk about destiny absolutely musically because i i know that i know pre-show we we had talked about you um having your piano and everything and i think that that would be a cool element to to bring yeah. in i mean and, one uh, thing that at least i always do with some of the more notable names in the in the destiny music community some of these names might sound familiar to some of you listening out there uh, but Breshi, he does a lot of the like music archiving stuff. Uh, same for Promethean uh, and Owen and some of those other people in the community. What we always do when a new expansion comes out is we all hop into a Discord call. Uh, we buy the soundtrack as soon as it releases, and we listen to all of it, and we try to like piece together how they made some of those stuff and like break it down. Um, and then once we, uh, you know, 24 hours later, the expansion comes out. And we look to see like how many of those predictions came true, um, and it's it's really funny to do stuff like that because it's gotten to the point where with Beyond Light, I predicted that Tanix was the final raid boss before we had seen anything really? from the raid because in the Vidoc of Beyond Light that they released like two weeks before the expansion, they play Shadow Thief which in Destiny 1 was Tanix's boss theme. And now, generally speaking, I wouldn't be phased by that because it is just a Fallen expansion, so it made sense for that to be there. But there was Pyramid Synths 
in like like the the pyramid synth that you often hear when when like uh, when you see the pyramid for the first time on the moon uh it's in the cutscene where you see the pyramids for the first time at the end of the destiny 2 campaign um it, it's basically when in any darkness related track that synth plays and i heard that in shadow thief and i was like why would they put those in a five-year-old track if they're not bringing it back and then i started thinking well they wouldn't bring back Tanix's boss theme if it wasn't for a Tanix fight again. And, what do you know? Third encounter of the Deepstone Crypt raid? The Tanix theme with new added pyramid synth plays, and then the final <laughs> boss, fourth encounter, is Tanix. And yeah. it's just, it's so interesting when you listen to some of these, uh, some of these tracks that you can almost, like, predict how the expansion was gonna go. Like, uh, I had a pretty similar moment with Witch Queen. One of the tracks called Insurrection, uh, and it plays during the final boss of the Communion mission, which is the mission that takes place in the Europa Pyramid. And already from just listening to that track alone, I said, there's Europa melodies in there, there's Cabal uh, motifs in there, and there's Pyramid Synth in there. And I literally said, this might be a mission that takes place in the Europa Pyramid with Cabal. And what do you know? 24 hours later, I play that mission, and that's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> uh, and oh, it's because the, these, these musicians, they know what they're doing. They know yeah. which melodies they need to reference where. Um, and even like today, or yesterday with the dungeon, the melody that they used from Music of the Spheres, it's called The Tribulation, they also used that melody in most of the Venus tracks, specifically the track called Ishtar Sync. And it just so happens that this dungeon and the place or, and, and the tower that it takes place is very closely related to the Ishtar Collective. So it makes sense for that melody to be there. And it's uh, just doing that breakdown beforehand, uh, before an expansion comes out, listening to all of that and identifying all of those references and all of those hints can already tell so much about where it's going. Um... And it's even cooler to look at in hindsight, like, why did they use all of these things? And how does that, like, make sense? And how does that fit into the the greater narrative of Destiny? And I'd, I'd love to come back on here, like, after Lightfalls come out, and after we had some time to, like, play everything and listen to everything and, and break that down uh, and, like, go over some of the the more cooler references or cooler things about it i'd love to do that oh yeah i definitely i definitely think that is required um that is something that i that we for sure have to do um so <laughs> to keep uh we'll, we'll keep well hopefully we'll be playing together but we'll keep the dms open and uh and definitely make sure to try and do that in Lightfall as well um it's cool i'm so happy that people are like you are educated and educated enough in the destiny music universe to pick up on this stuff. And it's so cool to hear. And it make it makes so much sense when you say it, but yeah. like, but, but for most of us, you know, it's just like, Oh, pretty music. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, you know and... so it's really cool to hear, to hear this because I, I think for a lot of people, this might be the first time that they're hearing like, yeah, oh, wow. They really went that in depth. Like that's amazing. 
Yeah, they did. And they they do this like extremely often where it's like they they reference these these very simple melodies exactly in the places where it makes sense. Like the Grasp of Avarice what I was talking about was very much referencing uh the rose and the rose was a track that a lot of the cosmodrome music was built up from and where does grasp of avarice take place that's right it's the cosmodrome so they they write all these melodies to make their life easier because when when you create these like these principles uh you have a main theme you have a main melody for every expansion if you need some inspiration for like what melody to put somewhere and like you're uh you're not quite sure, you have all of these different motifs that you can try to shove in there. Um and not only does it usually sound good, but contextually it also makes sense. Cuz of course the 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 Shadowkeep main theme which became more commonly known to the community as Savathun's song, you know, I'm on the moon, it's made of cheese, that melody um, yeah. of course that's going to be used in some of the tracks in the Witch Queen campaign, because that canonically became known as Savathun's song. It makes sense for it to be used there. Um, so it's just a bunch of those small things that when you start paying attention to them, the music tells as much of a story as the current dialogue or at least, maybe not as much, but it, it tells a story, and it adds to that by just referencing those smaller things alone, right? And it's so interesting to see that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. That's, uh, it's, it, it really is. Like, it, it's, it's cool to know how in-depth it is. Like, I, I never realized, like, how much they sample and reference from other things. But, like I said, when you say it, it makes sense. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and it, it just, I think it just is going to make me appreciate the music just a little bit more this season, for yeah. sure. And it, it's well, also just, like, I, I just want to educate people uh, about like who makes destiny music as well cuz the the one thing that always grinds my gears a little bit is whenever a new like season or new expansion releases and people like the music they're always saying like wow Michael Salvatore did a great job on that and yes Michael Salvatore is an absolute pillar of the destiny music team but yeah. there's so many other composers that do this music like deepstone lullaby community favorite most people love that track. Yeah. And it was made by Michael Seacrest, which also, uh, he also made the Witch Queen main theme. He made the Savathun final boss theme. He made the music for Prophecy. He did the music for The Farm. Like, he's made so many community favorites and so few people know his name. Right? (laughs) Yeah. And stuff like that just, it doesn't piss me off, but it's like, wow, you are such a fan of him and you don't even know it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's good, man. It's it's great. Like, like PK, you're doing them a service by educating them on this because it's it's like it's important that they know. So Yeah, so that's, that's uh, awesome. I, I recommend when you buy the soundtrack off of the Bungie store, which by the way, if you want to support Bungie's music team, 
do yourself a favor buy the soundtracks from the Bungie store when they release or if there's an expansion that you really like it gives you high quality files of all of the music but it also gives you a nice little pdf with artwork in it and all and all of that and it shows you who worked on which track uh obviously like if you ever want to know who worked on which track um you can just ask anyone from the music community we will likely be able to tell you it's come to a point where if we listen to a new track even if we're not told who the composers are we will know just based on their style but yeah if you want to like figure out who your favorite destiny composer is have a look at some of those track credits and uh maybe you'll find a new artist that you like that you didn't even know the name of yet <laughs> yeah that's awesome well i uh i think it's about time that we uh we wrap this we throw some music on the playlist we tell everyone where <laughs> we can find you and then um I think we we save some for another day. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds good. I've I've really I've really appreciated like this whole education on Destiny music, and I love <laughs> I, I love that we we have a very similar approach to uh to to the game in general. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, one thing that we do every every episode that started well not every episode this started a couple years back though is uh. One of our good friends that used to have a podcast in the Destiny community sends us a song every week, and we always add his song first to the playlist. Um, typically, I ask uh, Admiral Nips to tell me what Ben has sent us this week, but since he's not here, I guess I will do the duty and let you guys know. Um, our good friend Ben this week for the playlist is adding a song from Tiny Moving Parts, and it is called Day Drunk. I have no idea what category this fits into because i've been out of the loop all week um but knowing ben it's always a good song he does a good job of of um giving us some solid variety to to the spotify playlist that we have um so i'm gonna ask that you are the next person to add a track to this Ooh. so what are you giving us this this week for music because i'm excited to see where this is going i mean i would be almost hypocritical if i didn't add something from the destiny soundtrack i feel all like right, it would be right. very hypocritical for me I, to sit here for 45 minutes talking about destiny music and then not add a track from destiny i i like where this is going okay but now the question is we have uh, eight years worth of music from this game. <laughs> right? Which singular right? track do I add? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it takes a little bit of the stress out, I think I think we've more than warranted uh, returns for you on this show uh, in the future. Right. So, so, I can so get at a least, second chance. <laughs> yeah. So at least know that, like, you don't. You, there will be more chances going forward. Whether this is whether it's on the day four playlist or whether we've well, I doubt we'll we'll have added twenty four hours of music by the next time you come on. But <laughs> either way, there will be more opportunities in the future for sure. Okay, um, I think that for now, it would make the most sense to just pick my favorite track from the most recent expansion, Witch Queen, uh, which would be Queen's Deception. Um, and for the people that want to know which track that is, and if you want to hear it in-game, 
Uh, Queen's Deception plays in the last chance mission, which is the penultimate mission of the campaign. Plays in the first encounter. Uh, you can also find it in the Wellspring as a randomly selected final boss track. Uh, the opening is also just a uh, Savathun's Throne World patrol track. Uh, so if you want to listen to that track, obviously it's on the soundtrack, but if you want to hear more, that's where you can find it. Um, and yeah, it's made, once again, by Michael Seacrest, the same guy who did Deep Stone Lullaby and Prophecy and all of those tracks that you know and love. <laughs> I was gonna say I just saw who was uh, who had who had scored it or the first name on it, and I was yep. like, "Huh, very interested. I like this." Yep, Queen's Deception. That's uh, that's probably my favorite Witch Queen track. That's the one I would add to the playlist. All right, I got that, and and also this is probably where i do a tiny plug if you want to hear yeah. a lo-fi version of queen's deception it's it's okay. called equivocation and it's on the destiny lo-fi collection volume one you can listen to that right now <laughs> so i am pulling up um this artist that people may or may not know um i'm going to be adding let's see where is this there we go um, so this, this album came out in 2022. Uh, it is, uh, by a pretty talented artist who knows, knows their music. Um, I think we will go with, uh, track one, which would be star of the eternal morning. You heard of this before? Um, no. Wow. I wonder <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like it would be a lo-fi remix of deep stone lullaby, but I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, you know, you are absolutely right. This would be the lo-fi remix of uh, of Deep Stone Lullaby um, by, oh my goodness, this is off of your album. That's so weird. Wow. Uh, wow, yeah. that's so crazy. Damn, I, uh, the, I, you, should re you should really go follow that person on Twitter. I think, I, I think they're a fantastic person. I think everyone listening right now should go look at their show notes uh, for this this episode because I'm pretty sure that the album Spotify link is going to be not only in our Discord, which it already is, but also in the show notes for this episode, um, as well as like um, YouTube and just your artist profile on Spotify. So by all means, people check out this album because it's absolutely amazing and. There was no way that we were doing this show today, and I was not adding uh, my personal favorite raid song remixed uh, magically into um, some fantastic lo-fi. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, I. You know, my my wife is not a gamer by any means, and I heard, I listened to your album, and I think we we actually had some company over. Um, it was either the day or the day after you dropped your album on Reddit or after I saw it. And I had it playing the entire time. Like we had company over just in the background, like on the TV, like just had the, you know, a lot of times I like to put like some sort of music on. And uh, after they left, I was like, babe, you need to sit down and just, just listen to this song. Like it is, it is fantastic. So I, uh, oh, thank you. I feel it's appropriate to add it to our playlist for sure. Hell Yeah. Um, so that brings the day four playlist to two hours and 31 minutes. We already have 42 songs on this playlist. Um, 
our theory behind uh, our playlist is every time we hit 24 hours, we start a new one. Right. So that's really 20, cool. Yeah, it's 24 hours of music from us and people on the show. So it's, it, you know, it, it's amazing. After, so we're on day four. Each playlist definitely has its own feel to it. But everyone has different tastes in music, right? Yeah, I'm imagining there's an insane amount of variety on that. Yeah, but it's amazing how well most of it works. Like, every once in a while, you get some songs where it might not be my cup of tea. It's obviously whoever added it. It's their cup of tea. Um, but it's it's amazing how drastically different they are, um, but how equally wonderful they are. Like... That just I, I don't know. I love being exposed to new music, so it's always it's always fun to throw it on and and just listen to it. Absolutely, so. yeah. Sweet. Well, I think I think it's very important that before before we part ways with our listeners, that you give us your information. Like, what is your Twitter? Uh, you know, what is your Spotify? What is your YouTube? Where can people find you? Like, just plug everything because I think it's important that that people are supporting wonderful artists like you out there. All right. Well, the best places to find me is just to search for my username, PKMT1234. I know that isn't the greatest username to search for, but it's what I've gone with. Um, So I repeat, PKMT1234. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitch. Uh, I often do like music creation live or like just playing music live. So if you want to see how i've done some of my lo-fi remixes you can check that out youtube as well Uh, you can check me out on spotify uh on patreon as well where i often upload like early access stuff of my music and uh you get like the highest quality lossless downloads of everything that i make um that's most of the places where i exist as of right now um if you check my twitter uh, there should be a link in the bio there. It's just a link tree. Takes you to everything. Uh, all of my platforms that you can find me. Uh, maybe we can add that to the show notes as well. Absolutely. And yep. then, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, you should be able to see everything that I do uh, right there. And PK is also in our Discord, so yes. that means you want, you want to play some games with PK, you want to... You got questions to ask, like... There's some access for you. So I, I really appreciate the education today. This was, uh, I knew it was going to be a good show, but um, it was just, it was just absolutely fantastic. And I'm really excited for, for things that we can do in the future as well. So absolutely. I will never pass up an opportunity to fangirl about destiny music. We'll never pass that up. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. I love it. Oh, well, uh, Mr. Mr. Co-host Admiral Dips, I hope that whatever is going down at the ER right now is uh, is okay. I hope you heal up, my friend, and uh, you know are back with us later this week for our next episode. Um, PK, it was a pleasure, and listeners, uh, I will get this out to you quickly. And I appreciate your time. I hope you I hope you enjoyed the show, and I really you know just go out on Twitter, go on Discord, tag PK. And uh, just, you know, let us know how you felt about the show. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. And thank you so much to everyone listening for uh, hearing me ramble about topics that you didn't <laughs> think you would be interested in, but maybe are now. 